Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey, and we have a very special episode for you guys today. Great conversation because uh, we're heading into, as of the time of this recording, Memorial Day weekend. I love it. um, I love we're doing a special Memorial Day episode. It's awesome. Yeah. I know everybody's got great, fun Memorial Day plans. When you live in the Midwest like we do, Aubrey, Memorial Day is like, you're looking for it because it's like, oh, summer's actually here. Warm weather's here. Memorial Day feels like summer, finally. I think the Midwest, I think weather in the Midwest, it's schizophrenic until Memorial Day. For some reason, it's like... I'm telling you, it's so wet. We had, I don't know if you remember back in Easter, like we had snow snow. in Chicago, you know? So yes, Memorial Day feels like the beginning of summer, both on the calendar and like creation (laughs) is finally declaring that summer has arrived in the Midwest. summer has arrived. However, we don't want to just earmark Memorial Day as a great day to go to the lake or we want to make sure that we're honoring it for what it is. Is. So as we That's go into right. Memorial Day weekend, we want to make sure that we're honoring those who um, have uh, lost a family member in combat, mm-hmm. honoring those that you have lost. Mm-hmm. So we had this conversation with Lizette Navas, and um, she was married to Captain Mo, or mm. Moises was his name, Captain Moises Navas. A Marine, right? Um, he was a United States Marine, and um, he was killed in combat in Iraq. Wow. And um, so uh, he left behind uh, Lizette as well as four children, three sons mm. and a daughter. Aww. And uh, and then you know recently her family has just moved to Florida from North Carolina. She was a part of a community that one of our staff members um, who helps to produce this podcast uh, she was a part of ministering to a military oh, wow. community, um, and she was in in Lizette's life when all this took place. And oh, wow. uh, they led a lot of different ministries together, as far as you know, grief and helping mm. folks as well. And so this is one of the first times that Lizette is actually sharing her story. So this mm. is a privilege. This is a gift right here. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right. I so. I cannot wait for our I cannot wait for our listeners to hear her story. Uh, it's definitely going to be a powerful one. Yeah. Um, so, Davy, I say we just dive right in. What do you think? Let's do it. Sounds great. All right, yeah. let's go ahead and take a listen to Davy's conversation with Lizette Navas. Lizette, thanks so much for joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been kind of a, this was like a last minute pivot right here. And so I want the listeners to understand, hey, th- sometimes this happens where we don't, we didn't know 24 hours ago we were going to have this conversation. And, um, and then, you know, I get a message from some of my team. Hey, there's this, this amazing woman with an incredible story. We've got to have this conversation. And so what I know about this is that God's going to show up in really powerful ways and he's going to minister to so many people through your story, Lizette. And so I'm excited for that. Um, and your, your story is marked by a lot of pain, a lot of grief, a lot of wrestling. Um, but before we dive into that right there, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself right now? Who are you? Where do you live? What does your family look like right now? And then we'll dive back into your story. Yeah, of course. So I am currently in Florida. Love it. I was born and raised in Maryland. So the cold weather don't miss it here. <laughs> uh, I moved from North Carolina about, it was back in November, 
December we moved to Florida. So we're still kind of getting used to it, but we love it. Um, right now, I'm single mom of four, my daughter, Callie, three boys, Aiden, Micah, and Liam. Um, they range from seven to 12, but my daughter being 12, you might as, might as well be 16. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? That my daughter is eight and I feel like she might as well be sixteen. I'm like, wait, it starts this early? Hold on a second. <laughs> I know. Well, to be fair to her, you know, we'll get into that, but over the last two years, she's been through a lot, which I think kind of forced her yeah. to grow up. Yeah. But but she was just always a little mama. And so having three brothers, I think kind of encouraged that even more. Yeah. And yeah. um and then having the three boys, it's mm. it's it's crazy, uh, hectic, but it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whew, man. Well, you know, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your story. And I know right before we jumped on and started recording, you were telling me that, you know, from the outset, a lot of people would think your story started in 2020, but it didn't. It started before that. So why don't you go ahead and reach back to where you would say, hey, this story started here and, and just uh, walk, walk us through that. Okay. Yeah. So we, like, I, like you said, we lost Mo in 2020. And while that was a huge part of this, um, this story started back in 2017 and it was just a very direct encounter with God. I was sitting in a Bible study and the speaker, we were doing one of those video studies and the speaker had asked the question to us, what is your worst case scenario? Mm. And as a military spouse, there, I mean, a spouse in general, there was yeah. just, I, I remember shaking and I didn't want to write it down. And I said, I don't, I'm not. And, and she asked again, she said, write it down. And so I wrote it down. I wrote down, you know, losing no. Mm. And as the video went on, she said, so what if your worst case scenario happened? Is God still good? Mm. And and mind you, I I grew up in the church. I I was a youth leader, all the things, right? I was a lifelong Christian. Um, I considered myself a strong Christian. Mm. And in that moment, my answer was, I don't know. Wow. I and I didn't like that answer. Yeah. I I sat there with that for a while, and I remember going home and telling Mo, I we got asked this question and he was like, that's just a natural reaction. How would you know? You haven't been through it. I said, no, it's more than that. It's more than that because we grow up in, in this, in this environment of God is so good. And it's so easy to say the right words and, and, and look the part on Sunday morning and all of that. And even though I'm sitting here in a Bible study, I still did not know if God was still going to be good and enough for me if my worst case ever happened. So it prompted this searching and, and this, this wrestling with God of God, why not? What, what is what is missing for me? Where am I missing the mark with you that I don't feel confident in saying yes? And fast forward um, to July of 2017, we lost seven friends um, in a training accident. Oh goodness! And it was one of the guys was in was on most team, and at that time it was those that that cliche that hit too close to home. 
Yeah. And it hit too close to home because Mo was supposed to be on that plane. And last minute he got changed, didn't go to that training. And he ended up staying home because he had to go they, last minute, right? Like right. they changed him. You can't go here. We need you to go to this other one. And the accident happened on my birthday. And so that day he, he was home and instead of on that plane and that feeling of, okay. And so then I said, okay, God, this, no, because in that moment I knew I would not be okay. Yeah. So, but it was such a pivotal moment because that was two and a half years before Mo passed. And that is that accident and that initial encounter in January is what prompted both Mo and I to really dig deeper and really search God and have God search our hearts for where were we missing this? Where, where, you know, we were serving in church together, you know, it, but there was still something that we weren't sure that God would, we would be able to stand there with a straight face and say that God is good if we lost each other. And so it, it did so much to help it heal things in our marriage. It did so much to help heal relationships that he had, that he hadn't kind of fixed. And so when he passed, there's people, very important people in his life that said, I'm so grateful for the conversations that we had right before this deployment. I'm so grateful for the relationship restoration that we had. And that a hundred percent was only God preparing our hearts and preparing us for what was to come. Wow. And so when, you know, fast forward to March of 2020, when Mo went away on this deployment and unfortunately never came back, I remember getting that knock on the door and I knew, I knew there's a, there's just a part of me that knew. And when I was given the, that news, I remember like the desperate cry, right? I mean, that's what you, what you have is that desperate cry out to God, but the chaplain was there. And I just remember just sobbing and asking the chaplain, please just pray for me. Just pray for me. And it brought back in that prayer, it just brought back all those feelings of like, we see, I told you I am enough, but am I really enough for you in this moment? Mm. And, and I can't explain it because it sounds backwards, but in that moment, even, you know, 10 minutes after finding out that Mo had passed, I, there was this peace that came over me as a chaplain prayed over me. Because I knew, I didn't understand how, (laughs) but I knew we were going to be okay, even though our situation was not okay. And that thread of this is not okay. What we're going through is not okay. But God is good was what we were able to weave through the rest of this journey. But it started not in March of 2020. It started with a very direct question that I felt God was just like, look at me, Mm. look at me. Wow. And would I still be good? Can you say like the psalmist, like it is well with my soul. Would we truly be able to say that? And And so when people say, you know, about strength and faith, I'm like, well, I don't know how strong I am. If it took God three years to wrestle with me, Wow. But 
but he got me there. Is that you're, you're describing a, a very unique experience that, um, I've found that the more I talk to people about these circumstances, especially when I talk to Jesus people, people who have a relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship with God, they describe something similar to this often. And I experienced something similar to this. I experienced this like preparation in some ways for the tragedy that would ultimately befall my life. And you know, there's a workshop that I do at churches and I teach kind of the, you know, I, I kind of reference there's stages that people say there's stages of grief, you know, which is kind of, it's a little bit hogwash. It feels like, cause it's not linear. It doesn't, you not and I both know, and we'll talk <laughs> more about it. it. It does. It feels like this really just <laughs> incoherent scribble that my two-year-old puts on a paper, you know, um, right. and often feels cyclical, but it, but there are kind of some phases that we go in and out of, of grief. But one of those really pivotal stages or phases is prior to that tragedy is the preparation stage. And it, you know, God has kind of, he kind of was preparing your heart for this moment. And, and as I, I explained that one time to somebody, uh, I was actually teaching at a workshop and, and somebody raised their hand and asked a question and they said, how do I not live in fear that like these maybe promptings that I get, that it's God preparing me for something really bad to happen, right? If somebody, if you were sitting here right now and somebody were to ask you that question, well, is that you just described to me this like really deep impression that you got that like you needed to sort this out. And I've felt certain impressions like that too. Is that some kind of weird premonition that something bad is about to happen in my life? How do I not live anxious or in fear what is what? What would you tell them if you're having coffee with somebody and they sat down and, and, and asked you that? So I think for me, I when that happened at first, I was uh, absolutely I was scared and I was fearful. But I think understanding that God can handle that and mm. and and allowing my very honest raw feelings of absolutely not God, not me, don't do this. I can, you know like the pounding on his chest, if you will. That idea that God can handle that allowed me to feel what I needed to feel mm. and then move past that. And I think a lot of times we, we have fear and and it's like this bad word. And, mm. and, and people automatically assume that it's a lack of faith. But what do you do with that, right? Yeah. It, let, let's, for argument's sake, let's for if you're for fear, you 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 have this fear. So there's there is something missing. There was something missing for me. Yeah, there absolutely yeah. was something missing. So what do you do with that? Mm. Do you just brush it off and say, well, I can't be fearful because God tells me not to be fearful. That is not of God. I'm going to push that aside. Mm. Or are you going to lean into that and really seek God's face? Are mm. you going to lean into that and read and seek counsel and ask for prayer? Because honestly. When the accident happened in 2017, Mo being the team leader at that time, we had people on the team that we were helping. Mm. And so I thought that was my purpose. That was my purpose to, to help other people walk through, walk alongside them. Because even though I wasn't, it wasn't exactly the same, we were put in this position of leadership. I had to help my husband with the, like the, the, the spouses and, and, and just be yeah. that, that hope and, and pray for these women. I thought that was my purpose. Not that I thought it was over. Yep, I was exactly. like, exactly. Cool. Like, oh, that's why you God know? Like, my heart. 
for that. Okay, yeah, he prepared it. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Right. And and then I got stronger with God. We mm. fixed relationships. That's what it was. It was a prompting to really help grow us, not just with yeah. God, but with other people. But if I would have just been fearful and let myself stay fearful, mm. I wouldn't have seeked out God because I would have thought that's not from God. He's not giving it to me. I'm going to brush this away. Yeah. But if, if you really seek God in that and ask God, not why me in, in this idea of woe is me, mm. but why me? What is it about me, God, that you want to use? What is it about me that, mm. that you are choosing as this vessel and, and walking obedience in that? Wow. And I've seen that on the other side of that pivot uh, in, you know, one smoke pass, like, you know, asking people have asked me to speak or ask for my story. And I'm like, why me? And I, wow. I and but it, and, it, and it comes down to it's not about me it's about yeah. god and it's about what he has done and i am literally just sharing what he has done mm. and and i think just so going back to your question i think lean into that lean into that and mm. but but don't just brush it don't brush it off absolutely don't brush it off lean into that and then find people who are like-minded and who are going to pray for you and yeah. who are going to share with you like Bible verses and things that come to, and because throughout that whole year, that's all I heard was the, the verses on fear and anxiety and peace, mm. but I needed those. And it, and it would come from people that had no idea what I was walking through. I hadn't shared with them what it was and they were just, this was impressed on my heart. I want to share this with you. Wow. And having these people in that community around you, to be the feet of Jesus has was made such a difference for me in my life because I knew yeah. that it wasn't just a casual, oh hey, I thought of this verse, or hey, this was the verse of the day. I thought it was so cool. It was God speaking through these people and just reminding me, yeah. like, this is a path we're walking right now, but you're not walking it alone. Wow. That's so good. Le- leaning into that fear, right? Like that that fear, that worry, that anxiety. When God, when God tells us in scripture, don't fear, it's not a rebuke. He's not condemning us for fearing. I think he knows that we're going to have these natural human emotions. He, of course he knows that. He created us, right? And fear is a very common natural human emotion. Um, it actually can be a very redeeming emotion, right? It can, it can alert us to danger. It can protect us in, in the best cases. But there are often times things that we fear that don't actually transpire, will never transpire. And so we're unnecessarily being anxious or worried about something. And so when, when Jesus says, don't worry, or, you know, God says, don't fear all throughout scripture. I don't think he's, I think he's saying exactly what you're saying. I think he's saying, Hey, let's look into why you're Mm -hmm. experiencing this fear. Like what's the root behind this? You know, and for, for you, what I'm hearing is that you guys were saying, well, there was something that the bedrock of our faith was not hinged on God is good. No matter what, at that moment, it wasn't at that at that moment, it wasn't. It, but once we started, once we started untangling that and really piecing that together, then and sorting through that, it actually began to heal a whole lot of other aspects of your life and your marriage, oh, yeah. relationships. I mean, all those yeah. things. It, it there was a, there was a, a a change in 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 our hearts and mm. and we just in our perspective how we looked at things, how we saw things, and the way we loved other people because we knew that we don't know that we're going to be here tomorrow yeah. and letting go of some of those things, you know, like in, in marriages, there's these silly arguments that you go through and things mm. like that. And it's, it, and, you know, being married for as long as we were, 
we had been together for 16 years. So we had a lot of the same things come up over and over again. And it was, but this allowed us to kind of let go of some of those things because we realized that they didn't really matter. Mm. And if, and if Mo had passed in that 2017 accident, it definitely wouldn't matter. So having him with me for those other two and a half years helped me to understand some of those things that you got to let it go or and vice versa, you know, like enjoy our kids more. I remember right before his deployment, we went on a spontaneous, I am not, I was not spontaneous uh, (laughs) and go on a spontaneous trip just to go to Williamsburg, Virginia. And then we were there and we were literally driving back home and Mo's like, let's go see family. Let's go, let's go up to Maryland and go see family. And we did. And that was the last they saw him. So just moments like that, like leaning into those moments too, just saying, why not? Yeah. We're on a break. Why not? Let's go. And we did. And, and we would, and I, I promise you, we would have never done that before, man. We would have been like, well, we'll come back after let's plan it. And we'll come Mm -hmm. back after this deployment. And and that's not how we did it. And so it it impacted so much more than we ever even thought, you know? Wow. Wow. Well, you know, you get this knock on the door and you receive this news that he's been killed in combat and, um, and that in and of itself is this horrible thing to wrestle with it it, Mm -hmm. accompanied by that are so many emotions, but to complicate that this was right before the entire world shut down. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So within a matter of what weeks or days, or I mean, how, how long was it? Then all of a sudden, boom, the world shuts down from COVID and now you're like in forced isolation wrestling with the, the the single most drastic thing that's ever happened to you. Um, what was that like? Surreal. I, so I had no idea. I, so Mo passed, uh, we had heard Callie and I were at a soccer tournament that weekend. So we had heard kind of things happening, but we didn't take it seriously. So we're like, it's fine. It's, it's nothing, you know? So, we get back that Sunday night. That's when the, when we, I get the knock on the door. We actually don't tell the kids till the next morning. Mm. So I end up having to leave for Dover right away, like within a day and a half. So I have to leave. Excuse me. And at that time, I remember my friend had to pack for me. I couldn't even think straight. I mean, I was still, I mean, I was in a fog for way longer than that, but in that moment. And I remember went to Dover and it was such a blur. It just felt like the whole world's just kind of like yeah. passing like yeah. haze and you're just standing here. Like, what am I doing? And so part of that chaos, what was going, what was, what was, what was going on, but I had no idea. I'm st- sitting here in days of what's going on. And we get back and people had started showing up at the house, giving, um, I, dropping off snacks, food, drinks, meals, toilet paper, um, paper, like all like tissues. I mean, I still, let me tell you, I still have tissues in my garage. That's how many tissues I got in the first. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, but, um, so by the end of that week, that's when the world shut down. So I got back from Dover and I remember getting a half opened like bag of toilet paper, you know, like those six packs and they had left me four. They took two and gave me four. And that just 
showed you the community that I lived in. In the middle of a pandemic, where we could not find toilet paper, we lived in a small town, could not find toilet paper, could not find basic items, they were still choosing to give it to me and the kids. Wow. And I was getting these types of things dropped off. And even though the pandemic was, it, it was incredibly crazy yeah. to have it just shut down. What it did do was keep people away that we didn't want around. So when uh, we had seen things before happen in our community, we would have media people come we, like out on the front lawns. Like we had to put signs out and like people just stopping by at the house. And so given what was going on, we didn't really have to deal with that because they weren't allowed to be there. So in a way that helped. Um, but I found that, and it, this was not just in the very beginning when everything shut down. I found while I had the most amazing, and I still do have the most amazing community, even though I live in Florida, I'm still connected to this community and my friends and everybody that we had there. Um, you know, people say I have the best friends in the world, but I really, really do. Mm. These people have showed up in amazing ways. I didn't sleep by myself for three months. I had friends that literally rotated to sleep with me. I had... Wow. I mean, I, I can just go on and on about these amazing people. I, to this day, I still get flowers. I still get for our anniversary. They send me like th those comfort items like Coke and goldfish. <laughs> um, so just things like that. It, it, they're just amazing. But it allowed us to kind of keep that circle really small because we had to. Um, but something that I saw, which sure, the pandemic kind of forced us to, but something that I saw the rest of my journey too was there was a lot of these huge moments through my journey. And even though I had the most amazing community and I had a lot of people just willing to listen and be there and sit in those gaps, the moments where I was really, really struggling was where those people weren't available and it was just me and God. Mm. And God would take me back to those moments of just me and you. And, and I think that that, that was important yeah. and I, I needed that both through the pandemic and then through the other parts of my journey, because, um, so often something happens and we immediately go to people, which is good. Yeah. We need community. We need community. Right. We need people to pray over us. But more than that, we need to take it to God. Right. And it would be so funny because I would sit there just crying out to God and then somebody would call me back. <laughs> or somebody would stop by the house, you know? So yeah. it was, it yeah. was like, I just needed to do that first yeah. and then yep. this would happen. Um, but the, the cool thing about the pandemic was it, it gave us a little bit more privacy, which was helpful. Um, but also you got to see people's incredible sacrificial love for us. Mm. So, um, while it was crazy and all that. So the kids and I ended up getting sick right before. So in January, we were really, really sick. Um, so I'm thinking that's what it was. Yeah. And so even though we were around a lot of people, we didn't get sick again, thankfully. Um, the biggest impact, I think, negative impact that if I would say had a negative impact on us is that it pushed everything to the right. So um, we weren't able to have a funeral until July. Oh, wow. And so we, cause we had to wait for things to open up. And even when yeah. we did, we were limited in how many people we could invite yeah. and, and the way that we had to be separated. And so, um, that was hard because you want everybody that wants to be there to be there. 
and you want to be able to open this up. And and it, it wasn't like that. And it wasn't this immediate lane to rest. So we had this, you know, four month, what we thought was grieving, but then it really wasn't because then we, that when we really started grieving was when we had laid into rest. So it, it, so it kind of rehashed all of that, but it almost like that these four months helped us get through some of that haze, get through some of that. So when we did end up having the funeral, we were able to really feel those feelings. And I think we needed to. So even though it was excruciating to, to feel them, the way that we did, because we we had kind of gotten over a little bit of that haze, yeah. we needed to. I mean, just like in anything else, like we said earlier, like you need to lean into those feelings, and when you right. don't, it's like pressing pressing pause on a movie, right? You're like, oh, this is a scary part, I don't want to see it, so yeah. I'm going to pause it, I'm going to walk away. Yeah. Well, but when you come back, you're going, you're coming right back to this place. That's right. So if you press pause, it's just pause. Right. You're not working through it. Right. So. It, it helped us to have a little bit of preparation almost and then have to work through those feelings yeah, and but still be able to work through those feelings with just the few people that we wanted. Yeah. It yeah. It didn't occur to me until now that it, it could have, I mean, I, I'm assuming it could have felt like that, that when you had the funeral, that became the kind of finality, the concrete, the reality that this is the case, because prior to that, it almost just feels like, even though, you know, cognitively he was, he was killed in combat. It almost feels like he's just still deployed until you have that moment where it's like, no, this is real. This is real. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And it it was, it's funny you say that because the deployment was supposed to be over in July. So a hundred percent, that's exactly how, even to the kids. I remember, I remember talking to my daughter and her saying, I don't believe it. It's daddy's still just deployed. And and that's how uh-huh. we kind of dealt with that. Cause like we were used to him being gone. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, this was at the beginning of the deployment. So in our minds, even though we knew there was a little bit of that protection in that, well, this is, he would have still been gone anyway, you yeah. know? Um, and so him, us being able to do the funeral in July, it, it was such a, the time was just so just right because that's when he would have come back from deployment. Wow. Um, and then even though he was at Dover, he ended up coming home from Dover on my birthday. And Man. so that was something that it, it was that God has taken so many dates and redeemed them. Mm. And it sounds silly that there would be redemption in Mo coming home because he mm you know, he had passed because three years prior we had lost those guys on my birthday, Mm. but it was a gift. It was a gift to get him back and be able to, to have the funeral and have the services that we so needed. And for him too, just to be able to not be in this in in Dover and just be able to go through the process that we needed to go through. Um, but I remember, the first time we went to go back to um, Arlington, because he's buried at Arlington National Cemetery, we went back with the kids that December. And this was the first time we had been back since July, and I was a mess. Mm. And, you know, to sit there and watch your four kids stand over their dad's headstone, I mean, that, that you would, <laughs> I don't wish that on anybody, you know? And I'm standing there, and I'm 
just sobbing. Yeah. And my kids are all four of them standing over the gravestone and they're not crying. Hmm. And I, and so I'm like wiping my tears and I'm like, put it, hold it together, you know, and yeah. go up to them. And I was like, are you guys okay? You know, like this is Daddy's husband. And, and, and I kept saying like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I remember my daughter saying, mommy, that's not daddy. Mm. Daddy's mother. And the kids and the boys are like, yeah, mommy, like that's not daddy. He's in heaven. So, mm. and, and it was such a, I, I don't, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even explain it. I just sat there jaw on the ground and mm. I said, you're right. Wow. You're hundred percent. That's not daddy. Wow. And then they were asking us where, like, our other friends were buried. So we we walked mm. and went to go visit their heads. And it was just this this unbelievable moment that I I'll never forget. And and while we've been back to Arlington, the kids they go there as a, as a memorial and in honor of not just their dad but the others that we've lost there too. Yeah. Um, and living in Tampa, we're near the SoCon Memorial, so they have most name is on it, so we're able to go there. And we actually go there more often because it's here versus Arlington. But um, whenever we go, it's really interesting to see the kids because they, they, they'll they look at the names and they'll remember and they'll share stories. And they're like, oh, I wonder how this person's doing or the parents or the the wife. And and we talk about them, which is what ultimately you want. That That's just right. what you want. You want to never forget them. And so um, it was just incredible to to do that. But the pandemic is what kind of kept pushing our timelines. Um, so even that, you know, where it was July and then we couldn't get back till December. Again, there was almost this like preparation that we were able to go through, kids included. So when we did have that moment, they had already understood where their dad was. And knew it was certainty, so much so that getting there, they were like, "This is really pretty," and they cleaned it off. But wow, that's not bad. wow. It's interesting. I was just listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about unless we approach the kingdom of God like a child, and there's just so much simplicity and innocence with what you're explaining right there, you know. Of just, mm-hmm. this isn't dad. He's not here. He's in heaven. He's with Jesus. We'll see him yeah. again one day. And and of course, that doesn't dismiss all of just the the grief and the turmoil that we wrestle with, you know, on this side of eternity. Of course it doesn't. We're going to wrestle with that. But there's something so refreshing about that perspective. I think that's why scripture tells us we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve mm-hmm. differently. We still grieve. We just grieve differently. Right. Was that, um, I wonder if you can remember some of the, some of the wrestlings that you had in this grief journey and you're continuing to have, I mean, again, this is only two years, you're only two years removed from this. And so over the past two years, what are some of the major things that you've wrestled with God with? You obviously wrestled some things to the ground years leading up to this, but I'm sure there's some other things that you've had to wrestle with. Can you talk oh. about that? Maybe talk about how God's shown up in that wrestling. Oh man. Um, I think the biggest thing that I, 
I, I mean, I still remind myself of stuff because I, you know, like we said, like, it's not, can you still hear me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. I lost my thing. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I struggled with was, you know, you hear that expression gone too soon. He was so young. Um, and I really struggled with that because that takes God out of the equation Mm. and it takes the days that we have numbered on this earth out Yeah, and we can't do that. So I, you know, through the process, there was so much that I didn't know about what kind of led up to his death. Mm. And I would find things out and it would make me angry and it would make me just have these feelings all over again. And I had to keep reminding myself that it's not the how Mo died, Hmm. but the why. And the why is simply that those were the days that God already had for him on this earth. So it didn't matter if it was killed in combat or in a car accident or the cancer. Hmm. And, and, And it was this harsh reality of, and none of us know. Right. And we had this five year plan. We were going to move to Florida as a family. So wow. just reminding ourselves that we we think that we have the luxury of time, mm-hmm. but we don't. Mm-hmm. And so going back to the details of how he passed made me angry because I was like, well, what if he wouldn't have done this or what if this would have been different or what? Yeah. It, it, that doesn't matter. And not that how we pass doesn't matter, hmm. but I don't need to reconcile that. Right, right. I don't. What I need to understand is God's hand in this. Yeah. But that has that has been such. I would say my hardest struggle is just slapping myself back to that and hmm. and that moment of stop because you're you're winding yourself up over the how and it's not how it's why. And then just working through that. Because you hear that so much and, and it, it stings, yeah. you know, when you hear, but he was so young and, it, you know, I gone too soon. And mm. while I would, I would agree, mm. we're not exempt from that. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, I had a friend lose her son at six years old. I mean, that's you don't, you don't expect that. You don't, you don't anticipate. So we need to stop living. Like we have the luxury of time. Wow. And really think about if today was really my, my last day, what am I doing with that? And what am I doing to create this urgency in others to seek God and to understand that, you know, because I heard it, Growing up all the time, like I did evangelism and stuff, and people would always say, I'll accept Jesus when I'm old. It doesn't matter. And I, my, my relationship will get there. But what if it doesn't? Wow. What if on the way home today, something happens? And so I think my, for sure, my biggest wrestling with God has been that, is, is yeah. really believing that and, and understanding and letting go of that need to know of the need to understand, you know, this and this and this and this happened. This is like almost justify, right? Why 
he passed. And I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to be able to justify this is why he died. Yeah. Yeah. True. You know, and I, and I, and I remember, um, at his celebration of life, we had people accept Jesus yeah. at that. Mm. And, and it, we sound crazy, you know, but, but I know that that's what Mo would have wanted. That's right. And, 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 and so when, when we say like, if it, if, if only for just one, mm. then God served his purpose. And, and, and it sounds ridiculous to say, take my husband because for the glory of God, but, but we knew, especially with the preparation leading up to that, that a hundred percent, it was for the glory of God. And yeah. we've seen, we've seen people develop both accept Jesus and grow in their relationship because of it. Wow. Be it stemmed from what happened. And I remember hearing stories after Mo passed about how Mo would share his faith with people and, or seeing us walk through this has changed their faith and things like that. And wow. again, that is not us because I can tell you, Mo and I were not these like stellar Christians that like, you know, we're like, do not put me on a poster for Christianity, <laughs> you know, like I, I, but it was God just in spite of me, in spite of me, mm. God's still shining. Because they didn't see everything else that we had to wrestle with before. Um, so that was a huge wrestling with God. And then now moving forward, I think another wrestle that I take constantly is my kids. Just, I, I, it hurts me so much, you know, to, to hear my daughter say, I lost my dad at 10. Mm. You know, I like that. So, and she was the oldest one. My youngest was five. And he, and, and, and there's again, that like pounding on his chest of like, this is not fair. It's not fair. My child was five and he was, and he was born through Mo's Marsop journey. So he wasn't around. Yeah. So he has very, very little memories of Mo and it just seems so unfair, but it's that back and forth, right? Because it's that wrestling of these really negative feelings of fear and anger and wanting to understand and going back to, but God. Yeah. I don't understand, but God does. I am angry, but God can take it. And it's not fair, but God is still good. Yeah. You know, it's that, yeah. but God. But that's been my wrestling is to bring you back to those but God moments. Mm. Man. And it's not easy. I mean, we still start, you know, like there's still the ebbs and flows oh, and, yeah. and it's not linear. And like some days I feel like I got it. We're good. We hit a stride and then we yeah. fall apart. And all of a sudden um, the next day, boom, You're like, whoa, yeah. what happened? Yeah. yeah. I know. I was like, but well, we were fine. And yeah, you know, it just, but, but leaning into that. So when we have those days where we're really, like, you know, my kids will be like, I miss daddy. And I'm, I do too. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And I'll ask them, do you want to go to the memorial? Or they'll like, Mo loved sushi, chocolate chip cookies and Coke. And so we'll have a day that we're really missing Mo. And I buy <laughs> some chocolate chip cookie dough. We order some sushi and I let the kids have some Coke. And, you know, and, and it sounds, that sounds amazing. Like, silly, <laughs> like silly and all of that, but it makes us oh, feel better. Great. 
you know, yeah. and we just, it's one of those like unspoken things that we're having a hard day Well, we're going to order sushi and make some chocolate chip cookies and yeah. call it a day, yeah. you know, and, yep. but allow ourselves to say like, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm confused, you know, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to remember those days are still, and sometimes weeks are still going to come. Oh yeah. As you move through the grief journey, they've come fewer and farther between, but they're still there. They still come. And it's helpful to not be caught off guard by those, you know, to, to know, oh, this is normal. This is common. This is, this does not, this is not indicative of the fact that like, oh, I'm my, man, my, my faith not, must not be strong enough, or I'm, I must not be healing or I must be, you know, not far enough down the track. Like I'm supposed to No, no, they're still going to come. Um, I'm six years plus removed. I still have those days yeah. where I'm like, Oh, I just really miss her. Mm-hmm. I just miss her. And, um, but I, but to encourage everybody that's listening to this, they, they're, they're fewer and farther between. I miss her every day. Right. I know you're going to miss Mo right. every day, but right. the, the gut wrenching knock you out, make you not want to get out of bed in the morning that becomes fewer and farther between, especially as you begin to see what God does coming through it. And I just love the fact that you have highlighted that too, Lisette, that man, even, even from the moment of his funeral, the moment of his death, even that people were being drawn to the Lord because of him. And I know you've said a couple of times, I know this sounds silly. I know this sounds crazy. Yeah. Maybe to, to, to some people who aren't seeing through this kingdom lens that we see through, it sounds silly, but isn't that, if we, if we think about it, isn't that what we all want with our life? I mean, whether we live to be 28 or 88, we want our yeah. life to matter. Yeah. We want it to have impact. We want it to make, we want to make a difference in at least one other person. And when it all boils down to it, if we can say that about our life again, whether it was 28 or 88, this life ends, that's, that's what we want. And, and I, and that's so cool to hear you with that perspective to say, this is, this is what Mo would have wanted. This is what we want. And this is the legacy we're going to continue to carry out. Yeah. I have a question, especially about, um, you know, you, you guys are, and have been a military family. Um, and this yeah. is, you know, it can be that, that is a very, um, unique, uh, situation to be in as a military family. Oftentimes that gets misunderstood or that, that people just, they, they don't know how, they don't know how, how to understand because they're not in that situation. But, you know, especially with Mo, he was in Marsoc. You mentioned that that's, you know, a, a, I mean, some of the best trained um, uh, military in our armed forces is, is Marsoc. And so you've got these folks who are going into these special force, special ops missions and, that community kind of sits, I'm sure, um, on edge a lot of times, especially when, you know, military wives hearing their husbands are being deployed, you know, what, um, what is that like? Can you give us a little bit of a window into that as you, not only as you have experienced that, those emotions yourself, this like news that your husband's going to be deployed, but also as you've observed it in other people, as you've ministered to other wives, um, other folks in the community who their spouse is going to be, you know, deployed and, and, and they're wrestling with, man, this, the, the glaring reality of this could be the last time I see him. This could be the last time I see her. 
that that's an ever-present reality. What's that like? I think understanding that, I think that we hide from that feeling of this could be the last because we don't want to think about it. Mm. But again, to the point of like leaning into it, I think it's where you want to let go of some of those arguments, take a couple extra minutes with your family. Um, I think as military spouses, especially leading up to a deployment, there's this period where you almost push him away because it's easier to be mad at him or it's easier to be detached. So when he leaves, it doesn't feel as ugly. Yeah. Wow. But I remember before this deployment, it didn't feel that way. And it scared me because I said, oh, no, why am I not pulling away from him? Why am I drawing closer to him? Does this mean this is it type of thing? But I'm so glad that I did because I think we we fear creates this in us where we want to push all that away. And um, being in that community, we see it all the time. And it's so hard because we see our best friends go through it. Mm. We see our like the people that we're used to sitting next to that we do life with lose their spouse. Yeah. And um, I think understanding that, yes, it could be a reality. But again, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with those days? Are you going to waste them away, pushing each other away? Because you're now you're you're because then you're saying you're fearful of him not coming back. But what you're really doing is banking on he is coming back. And so I'll deal with this when he comes back. And no, don't do that, because. Hopefully he does come back and you can plan that post deployment trip and you can go away on vacation as a family and you can talk to him every other day. But if you can't then what are you going to do with the days that you know that you have, mm. which is today? Because it's not even tomorrow. It's today. So what are you going to do with today? And I think as military spouses, we get so used to unplugging. And mm. and our husbands leave, and we're like, we got it. We kind of get into this like mode of we got the house, we got the kids, we got school, we got, you know. And so we create this distance, but then we regret it mm. because those were days that we – knowingly didn't do anything with mm. because it was easier to not get close. I remember before I lost my grandfather, he was sick. He, he was given like four months. He ended up living for four years. Hmm. But I remember sitting by his bedside every single day and it was excruciating yeah. because every day that I left, I thought this is it. Mm. I'm never going to see him again, but I'm so grateful because I didn't get four months. I got four years. And it was painful that I got four years. And I think yeah. back to those conversations and those things that were said. And it, the same thing goes for military spouses. We we almost have this, excuse me, this mode that we get in of let's do this. And we got it. And we do. We have it. Like yeah. the guys leave. and we. But yeah. when the guys leave, we got it. Right. And I think um, it's hard because I feel like when Mo passed, I was like, a walking example of what your worst nightmare was. Mm. But, and I felt that I felt like this awkward, like, okay, I, you know, I'm proof that your worst nightmare could come true. Right. 
but all I wanted to do was just like scream from the mountains, make it count. Yeah. Like nobody wants to hear it could happen. Yeah. But if we, if we don't tell people it could happen, that, that ignorance is not bliss. Right. So when we, when we tell people it's fine, it's not going to happen. Then we rob them of the ability of making it count today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, I, but what are we really doing right. when we're telling people to push that back, right? Because right. it goes back to that question back in 2017. If the worst scenario happens, am I still good? Is God still good? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, God's good because it hasn't hit me. Or it hit close to home and that really sucks, but it's not me. Yeah. So instead of pushing these feelings away, and the reality, because it's not just deployment, like the guys come back from deployment and we lose guys to suicide. We lose guys to car accidents. Yeah. We lose guys to cancer. We lose guys. So it's not just deployment. Like we have to take that idea out that, that it's only on deployment that this could happen. Yeah. Because again, that's not the, it's, it's not the why it's, it's the why that we have to focus on. It's not the how. Yeah. So I don't care if it's a deployment. I don't care if it's a car accident. I don't care if it's in his sleep. I, we have to stop pretending that we have all these days. And and, I, and that may not be like the popular answer of or what makes us feel good and gives us those warm and fuzzies. But the reality is we may not be rocking on that porch with our spouse until we're 90 years old. Mm. And that sucks and it's unfair and it's not what we want to hear. Yeah. But what are we going to do in the meantime to, to make those days count so that when we, if we do get to 90, man, we live this amazing fulfilled life where we have loved so hard because we have loved like we don't have tomorrow. Yeah. That's great. Wow. And I, even like my kids, I remember my daughter, she's, she's taking that on too. the, the loving, she's like, mom, she said, she goes, mom, I've become so soft. Cause like Mo would mm. say like, don't be soft, you know? And she says, mom, I've become so soft because we, and we have, because mm. we want to love yeah. you and we want to love because, and we want you to, know, and like, make it weird. Tell your friends you love them and yeah. like tell the people you love around you that right. you love them. Mm. And then also that, as believers, like lean, lean into that part of yeah. with God, though. lean into like not taking for granted that, well, we're Christians, we have faith. That's not enough to just say that you believe in God and, and read your Bible when you get around to it. It's not enough because it's not it's not if the problems come, it's when and maybe it's not the loss of your spouse and maybe it's not the loss of your child, but maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a bankruptcy. Maybe it's losing your house. Maybe, there's so many things that could happen in your life. So it's not if the storms are coming, it's when. That's right. Yep. So prepare for those, right? So yep. as military spouses, we're not immune to issues. We have this amazing community and, and like the military community is almost like its own little world. Like we understand things that other people don't. We, our lives are crazy compared to 
civilian life. Like, like, you know, like our husband's being gone all the time and the way that we live is, is not normal. Yeah. Um, but it is to us. It's so normal. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, your husband went on a business trip for a week. We're like, that's it. Mm. You can't even miss him in a week. You know, like it's just, we, we have this, this, this thinking, you know, um, and you're just, it's just kind of ingrained in you, you know, and, and through the years and everything. But the biggest thing, like being in the military community is leaning into that community, but not shying away from the hard answer and the hard responses of, you know, like, it's fine. And and maybe it very well will be fine. Mm. But ask yourself, what if it's not? Yeah. Are you going to take that extra trip before the deployment? Are you going to let the kids stay up a little longer to watch the movie with dad? Mm. Wow. Instead of pushing away, maybe we lean in. Wow. Man. Was that, you've just, I mean, you've given all of us just such a, a good perspective on life. I mean, I think whether you're in a, in a military family or not, whether you're part of the military community or not, we should be, we need to be living with this kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, it's obviously a lot more um, of an ever present reality in the case of military families. It's something that they wrestle with and grapple with uh, regularly but it's something we should all be wrestling with and grappling with. Cause to your point, you have no idea. We have no idea when, when will be the last time that we will, you know, greet our family members or say goodbye to them, you know, as we leave the house for work or we, we have no idea. And I think to live in that kind of, um, in some ways uh, suspended, um, uh, soaking up every ounce of time that we have with each other, and, 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 and the reality of the kingdom of God being so near heaven, being so near it, it brings into perspective the things that are important, the things that are not. Right. Cause Priorities I think, you know, life. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we going back to the fear aspect, like we, we don't want to have fear. So mm-hmm. when, when we are told like our husbands could pass in, in deployment, it brings up fear. So we say our natural instinct is to say, but it's fine. It's going to be fine. It, mm. That's not going to happen. Well, we we don't know that that's not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, sorry. These are not it's working. Right. <laughs> um. So I feel like when we we're doing a disservice to people mm. by giving these statements that we think are going to make them feel better, and while they do. It's a temporary fix. Yeah. It's a temporary. They're going to feel better for this short period of time. Yeah. And then bank on that. Nothing's going to happen. And I, and again, I'm not just talking about the passing of a spouse. I'm talking about life yeah. and storms, you know? And so if we can't, it's not something that we should get in the habit of doing. We can make people feel better by sharing with them the promises of God, giving them the tools to work through those storms yep. to, to, to know where to turn. Yeah. And it's not drugs and alcohol and it's God. It's, yep. it's godly people that are going to pray for you that are going to sit in that gap 
It's yeah. opening the word of God. It's going to church and finding a community. And if we don't give them the tools, it's, and we know the tools and we're not giving it to them. Mm-hmm. Then what are we doing? Right. Right. You know, we're not just motivational speakers trying to make everybody feel good. That's right. That's not our job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. When, what did Jesus say? I think it's John 16. He said, I've told you these things so that you'll have peace. Yeah. Well, what are the things he told us? Well, what's going to bring us peace? Immediately following that, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't tell us, hey, I've told you these things so that you'll have peace. Everything's going to be okay. It's not going to happen. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it, right? That's not what he said. He said, I've told you these things so that you'll have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. And it makes us go, wait, hold on. I thought you wanted me to have peace, Jesus. Now I'm feeling anxious about this. And he goes, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And we know that if he has overcome the world, if we are, if he is in us, we are in him. Then we too overcome the world, no matter what trouble or sorrow comes our way. And so Lizette, you've reminded us of that today, that I'm, I'm deeply, deeply, deeply sorry for the loss that you guys have endured. I'm so grateful. And I, and I can speak on behalf of our entire community. We're so grateful to you and to Mo, the sacrifice that you guys have made for our country Nobody, nobody is going to be able to understand the extent of the sacrifice that you guys have made for our country. Thank you for that. Um, and we're deeply heartbroken for you guys. And yet I'm sitting here and I'm watching you and listening to you. And you are a true testament of Jesus saying, take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus, spirit is all over you, is all in you. And it's just so mm-hmm. cool to see what he is doing right now and what he's going to continue to do both in and through you. And so I'm thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing deeply from your experience, deeply from your story, but also challenging us. I mean, gosh, like you've challenged us. Lizette for us to go, Hey, I need to consider like what's today. I need to consider today, (laughs) you know, (laughs) to wrestle these things down. Um, so good. Was that, is there any way that we, any, any place that we can, you know, just kind of tune more into what, to you and your family and follow you guys (laughs) social media? I mean, how can folks hear more from you? Oh man. Um, my question, my response always asks is what, what do you want to hear from me? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am on social media. So I, I know I am no longer, uh, the director of a ministry anymore since I've moved. I had to get plugged in here. Um, so I have spoken before, um, at different things. I, um, mostly military and a women's conference also, um, just talking about just God and, and, Mm you know, who he is and, and what he's doing. And, um, you know, I've said it so many times that it's, it's in spite of me, it has nothing to do with me. Um, it's God has, I, I would think of like the strength, like, like manna, where it yeah. was just every day, just enough for what I needed. And when I would, I remember when I would stress about what, God, what about in a week or in a year or Callie's like wedding? And, and I would try to gain strength in the, for the future. It would right. spoil and my, and my day would not be okay. Wow. And so if I just focus on the strength that God would give me 
that day for what he was calling you that day, it was good. That's great. And it just that, that reminder of re- relying on God daily. Yeah. I remember I went to a widow's retreat and they, they called widowhood. Um, they said it was a calling and I was like, what? <laughs> yep. Not a calling that I ever thought I'd have, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, um, while I am on social media, um, I have, I've, you know, it's pretty day-to-day stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm nothing special. I'm really not. Um, but if anybody is ever in a situation, please reach out. I would yeah. love to speak to you and pray for you. Um, really just pray for you. I love to pray over people. And um, I remember my youth leader many, many, many years ago told me that if you have an opportunity to pray for somebody, when somebody says, will you pray for me? And you have the opportunity to do it in that moment, do it in that moment. Wow. And sometimes it's not a phone call. So somebody will message me and say, can you pray for me? And I'll just text them the prayer. Yeah. And I start Heavenly Father. And I just start praying. And, and that just, it's such a, it truly is an honor to be able to pray for people. Mm. So I would love to be able to pray for you if I could. Um, and not because I'm anything special, but because God says if two or more are there, I am present. And I, I want that for you. Um, but really I, I, I am not doing a whole lot right now. Uh, being a mom and that total soccer mom, my daughter started playing fly football and that's a whole other beast for me. Um, nice. so I'm uh, just enjoying being a mom right now and I'm plugging into my church. Um, so I don't have a ministry per se that I'm doing day to day, um, but I'm really grateful for opportunities like these yeah. where I get to share my story um, because it's just not about me. God has shown up in the most incredible ways in our lives through this, like not just for me, but for my kids. Like I've seen it in them and I'm just so grateful. And yeah. how could you not share what, yeah. you know? I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for sharing um, your story and encouraging us and challenging us. It's just been such a great, great honor to be able to, to speak with you. Thank you. The honor was mine, truly. Thank you for thinking of me. Once again, Davey, we get hit so with good. all the emotions in these in these conversations that you have. And, and I'm so glad we're doing this on Memorial Day uh, week. Yeah. But I'm also just glad we have this like in the Nothing is Wasted canon now because right. what a what a powerful story of how we can learn to trust God's sovereign plan when, yeah. you know, when man, the world is falling apart around you. Yeah, you know, I think we... Um, we, we may not give consideration enough to our military communities and it's not true. Yeah. You know, what's going on. Yeah. We've got a couple of dates on the calendar that we acknowledge and celebrate, but man, when you are around the military community or if you have family who are in mm. active duty or, you mm. know, um, they're stationed somewhere or something, it, mm-hmm. it, it puts, it puts a lot into perspective for you and you, you begin yeah. to be aware of life and death a lot more. And, you know, we've yeah. you know, obviously talked about that quite a bit with Lizette and, but yeah. I just want to, I just want to, before we even dive into talking a little bit about this conversation, Aubrey, I just want to, I want to thank our military community. That's um, right. All of you guys who are either actively serving right now, you're, you're walking beside someone who is actively serving as a spouse. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thank what you, you guys do. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 
And for those of you guys who, as Lizette pointed out, you know, when you, when you lose someone in, you know, killed in combat, you can quickly find yourself out of those military, that military community. Wow. Right? Yeah, you're no right, longer kind of right. part of that. And so right. you're now, so you're in a whole other camp yourself, mm. you know, feeling the burdens of what those folks feel, but not being a part of the community aspect of it because you've lost your connection to that community. And so we want to, we want to acknowledge that we want to thank you for the sacrifice that you have endured. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank I, you so I, much. I don't yeah. know if there's anything that any words that could give proper credence to that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, I, I do just think about the words of Jesus that greater love has no man that he give his life down for a friend. Ah, oh, beautiful. You know, and, and so you, you are, you are a living example of the spouse or the family, the loved one That's that right. you have lost who has paid the ultimate sacrifice. That's right. So that we can walk in our freedom. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for reminding us of all of that, Davey. That's, that's so good. Mm. What I loved about, um, Lizette's story in particular, and this is, I think a hard thing to talk about, Davey, you probably have a lot to say about it. Cause I've heard you actually talk about this a little mm. bit. You know, she talked about God preparing her for her husband's death before it happened. And you yeah. hear, we hear that a lot and nothing is wasted. Right. You've right. talked about it in your own story. And that's a... That's a mysterious, mm. um, almost, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but a little eerie, like, Lord, what, yeah. what is that? Can you, can, yeah. I mean, can you just kind of talk to our listeners about that a little bit? Well, it is eerie. It can be unnerving as you hear it. Like if you're hearing this for the first time, like this, you know, God prepares and you've heard other people give testimony. God has mm-hmm. God prepared me for this. You can begin to cause or that can cause you to have some, some anxiety or some concern, especially if you've had certain promptings or certain, you know, we're like, Oh no, what's about to happen. Right. Right. I don't ever want to put God in a box, but I would say that my experience has been and others that I've talked to is that you only notice that preparation retros retrospectively. Mm, mm. Like you only see it when you look Mm. back on it. It's, It's you don't necessarily recognize it in the moment. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and in in some sense, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's some kindness in that because yeah. otherwise you might be living in like in kind fear. of anxiety or For heightened, sure. yeah, heightened fear. Yeah. So the fact that it's it's more of a it's more of a reflecting on oh God's right God gently went before me in a way that actually was helpful. I I think that's what I hear you saying. Yes, and so what that does is it 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 reframes it for you in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Now there are certainly some people who look back on it and they go, wow, I've seen God prepare me for this, and they and it causes them to have a bitterness toward God because they're like, yeah. well, you knew about this and yeah. how did you not prevent it? How did you not sure, stop it? Sure. And we untangle a lot of that in the pain to purpose course and some mm. of the other stuff that we, you know, the content that we have available for you on nothing is We talk about, you know, God doesn't always intervene to prevent things from happening to yeah. us. Yeah. And there is a lot of reason why that's the case, but he does always intervene to produce something out of it. Mm. That in his foreknowledge, even though he knows something is about to happen, that means he's already created a plan to unravel the enemy's work in that thing that's going to happen to you, right? So, yeah, that so let that bring comfort to you as mm. well as you found yourself in the middle of trauma and tragedy. But also understand that, like most of the time, when you look back on it and go, "Wow, God's been preparing me," what ends up being elicited in your soul is gratefulness. Mm. Is like this. God, you were with me then. 
Yeah. And you're going to be with me now in mm. this. Like you're in the details of this. And so you're going to walk yeah. with me through all of this. And so at least that's what it did for me. Mm. And that's what it's done for other people like Lizette that you just heard. Mm-hmm. It brings this gratitude. And and so again, I can't, you almost can't put language to those preparation. Like you, you look back right. and go, oh, those were the things. But in the moment, in, as it's happening, you're not thinking... You're not necessarily aware oh, that God is like preparing you for this great tragedy yeah. or There's something whatever. ominous yeah. on the horizon yeah. that's about to, yeah. that's not necessarily what's happening right there. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to, like you said, in kindness, I, I think God spares us from that. So we don't have to live in mm-hmm. fear, you know. Mm-hmm. But then to look back and see his hand at work is certainly, Oof. wow, what a, what a, what an encouraging, mysterious thing. And I, I do think there are seasons like that for many of us where God takes you through a season that you don't really understand, but he reveals mm. a lot of himself to you. And yep. then later something happens and you go, oh, that's why God yep. was showing me X, Y, Z, because he knew this was coming yep. and I needed to be prepared for it. And again, oh. I think this is this goes back to what you just said. Like, this is because the Lord is undoing what the enemy is trying to that's do. Right. And God is more powerful. That's right. Period. That's right. And so it's it's mind-blowing when you think about that God has the the authority, the sovereignty, the creativity, mm. the even the compassion, the yeah. kindness to be like, okay, look, the enemy's going to come after you, but I promise you I'm writing a better story. Yes. I promise you. Yes. You just lean into me and watch what I do. That's and so good. Only Oof. God can do that, right? I cannot for the life of me remember where I heard this, Aubrey. And I'm like, I'm upset with myself right now because I want to point you to wherever this was. I don't know if I read it somewhere. I don't know if I saw it somewhere. I always just say it was just C.S. Like, Lewis. Like, yeah, it mean, was, maybe it was. You know, it was like C.S. Lewis. Lewis. One of the Inklings, J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> right, I don't know right, who it was, right, right. But just recently, it, man, I wish I could remember the context of it, but it, it, this conversation has stirred that back up in me. Is that it, it, it causes you to, like, what if we lived with this idea of, I cannot wait to see what God's going to do out of this. Like mm. just this expectation mm. of, I, I don't understand this. I'm really confused by this, but rather than that causing a lot of angst in us, yeah. what if it caused anticipation? Yeah. Like I am That's so good. excited for the day that God reveals to me what this is like, what he's writing here. You know what it was? Mm. It, I remember it now. Now as I'm Ooh, talking it out, nice. I just told you about the Baymaw podcast. Yes. Last time it was on an episode and I can't, I will definitely not be able to remember which episode it was. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. At least you're crediting it. He was it. talking <laughs> through that idea of like that, that when we, when we walk in the sovereignty of God, we walk in an understanding of redemption, like the narrative that God is writing is yeah. redemption. Yeah. That's this right. is the story he is inviting us into. Mm. So that's on a macro level with the story of history but it's also on a micro level with each one of our stories. And as we okay. kind of enter into God's purposes and plan and story for redemption for our lives, it can cause us to, to instead of being anxious about things, right? Yeah. Be anxious for nothing, as <laughs> Paul writes. Yeah. But in everything, through prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, mm. will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so the peace comes from not being anxious, but presenting our requests to God. Well, in those moments right there, when you found yourself in this season of, of this, like, oh, I'm so worried and anxious about like what's happening right yeah. now. What if yeah. instead we reframed it and said, I cannot wait for the day 
that this aha moment happens mm. where God reveals to me why all of this is happening. Oh, it's so good. It might be on this side of eternity. Yeah. It might not, but that day is going to be sweet. Isn't it? Oh, I, wow. This is preaching to me right now, Davey. I need to hear that. I feel like that is a good, that's a good, that is a good call for mm. all of us with whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with. Yeah, I cannot wait to see how God, sort of like God reveals his will in this. And I go, oh, look at how good yeah. God was. Yeah, that's a, what a well, great, you know, what okay, a great so here's, posture. Think about this, Aubrey. I know. Okay, listen, I just when we watch like episodes, I don't know if you got watched like 24. <laughs> Do you remember? Did you ever yeah. watch 24? Oh, okay. yeah, totally. When you totally. watch things like that, right? Uh -huh. Every episode you're going, I can't wait to see how he gets out of this one. He, seriously. You know he's going to get out of it. Yes. Right? You know, yes. like, you know, you're like, well, he's not going to kill this. They're not going to kill this character off. They can't right. kill Jack Bauer have, off. You, right, right, right. Because he's then the survive. show's over. He's got right. but, but how in the world is he going to mm. untangle this one right here? Yeah. And that's almost like what, I mean, that's if we good. can pull ourselves up out of our stories a little bit, gain some distance mm. and go, man, God, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this one. I don't know how, what you're going to do from this one, but I cannot wait to see how you're going to do it, what you're going to do. You know? Yeah, if we could just live like that. I love that. Oh, here's something I love about Nothing is Wasted, Davey, is we may have not ever actually said those words before, but that's what we're doing yeah. with all of the resources that we have at the community platform, the community plus platform. Mm. We really are trying to take back your story, right? That's the right. story that the enemy is trying to write in you. We're trying to help you say, no, 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 God is writing a bigger that's story, right. a better story. We are wanting to uh, walk with you to do just what Davey's talking about, yeah. live with that expectation of how God's going to like Jack Bauer the heck out of everything, <laughs> right? Uh, you can uh. you can find out about the community platform, Community Plus, which is where we offer more resources at a price point. There's a lot of incredible, we've got master classes, we've got coaches, yep. we've got all kinds of things for you yep. at nothingiswasted.com slash community. That's right. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thank you, Ryan O'Neill. Thank you, Sleeping at Last. You can go and download and stream his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. And while you're poking around at nothingiswasted.com, why don't you also go and follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. We do a giveaway there just about every Friday. So, so many fun. of the authors that we're featuring on this podcast, we're giving away their books so you want to tune into that. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn. You can follow Aubrey at Obsamp. And uh, we want to make sure that you stay tuned next week. We have a great conversation with Carly Cleveland. And um, this is going to be a very uh, moving, stirring, and challenging conversation. Oh, it's going to be so challenging to all of us. Um, and so, Aubrey, I, I'm, I'm going to be really anticipating hearing your thoughts on this, especially as we dive into this next week. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the two of us having a conversation about it, for sure. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and listen to part of Davy's conversation with Carly Cleveland. I think I was around 16 when I got into a relationship, and it was kind of a long-distance relationship, but we were both very, very ingrained in the purity culture like church kid culture, like good church kids. And so I think, unfortunately, with a lot of those relationships, people didn't set up good boundaries. They didn't really have skills to have good relationships because we were kind of writing it off as not really, we're not really dating, we're not really boyfriend and girlfriend. And so I had no awareness for what red flags were, for what signs of abuse were. 
And so it was a total normal relationship, not totally, but for about a year, it seemed pretty normal and like almost healthy, I would say. And then a year into it, I think on my side, it became very codependent and then it became abusive and um, sexually abusive. And so it was very difficult to navigate in that space of not understanding a correct biblical lens of sex and relationships and purity because purity culture was telling us this, you know, like if you have any kind of physical um, affection with someone or if you kiss somebody or if these things happen to you, then your worth is somehow devalued or you're degraded. And so I was trying to navigate that as someone who was like, I didn't want these things to happen, but they did. And so does that just mean that I'm not valuable anymore? What does it mean in this relationship? And it was kind of the cycle of abuse. Like you want to help someone and you want to fix them and try to get them to a place where they're not struggling and not harming you. And then just that cycle starts and it ends up happening again and again. And so I was stuck in that cycle for quite a while. 